Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <clears throat> okay, here we go. They say great things come in threes. Great stuff. The great days we're living, bro. That's just <laughs> Unfortunately, not in this case. What is this? But maybe someday it will be. Can you believe that? Okay, world, hold on to your collective. It's time for the Bam Slam podcast. With Ben Fletcher, Allison Ratzlaff, and Mike Costa. Bam slam, fam. <laughs> what up? It's been so long. We miss you so much. Uh, there's no Too Costa long. today. We're, what, 230 pounds lighter as yes, a show? Yes, and if he does not start showing up, we're going to find a replacement. Yeah, you know what? We're taking applications. But uh, Costa is out gallivanting the world. Uh, former listeners of our show know he does that quite often. And they're on vacation and celebrating Tope's graduation. So he's good, though. Family's good. And Bam yeah. Slam, fam- we're not going anywhere. No. The Bam Slam pod is staying alive. We just took a little break. Yeah, we were missing each other too much. So late last night, we were like, let's podcast tomorrow. Let's do it. So and so are. we do have a pretty special guest coming up. He was actually one of the first guys in the country on to this whole MLB cheating scandal with the pitchers. And I hardly can call it a cheating scandal because I don't think it's the player's fault at all. But we'll talk to Maury Brown about that from Forbes. Uh, what have you been doing? How was the cross-country road trip? Amazing. We left. Uh, you know, it's crazy how you can get across this country. Was it? It was just relatively you and quickly. Ben? It was just Ben and I. We left. Uh, we left on uh, Monday morning. Whatever that Monday before Memorial Day weekend. We left Monday morning at about seven a.m. Drove to El Paso. Spent the night in El Paso. Got up the next morning. Drove to Dallas. Had some fun in Dallas. Um, left the next morning, which was Wednesday morning, and drove to Bowling Green, Kentucky. That was our longest day. That ended up being about 13 hours because and we got to Memphis. There was like a bridge out or something. I don't know. So we had this one stretch where we went nine miles. It took two hours. But I will say this. The drive, except for the drive to El Paso, from El Paso on, it's just lush and green and gorgeous and for especially I would say even from Dallas on when you get uh through Arkansas we went through seven states 1700 miles got into Bowling Green Kentucky at about midnight but we didn't go straight to our hotel no you got to stop and get a drink no we had to stop at the football stadium because he was like I'm going straight to the football stadium that's awesome so we got out drove around took a little video we did hit up some college bars later in the week. I stayed till uh, Sunday. So we got in Wednesday night. I stayed till uh, Sunday night. He drove me to Nashville. Nashville's the closest airport. So we went and spent the day in Nashville. And then he took me to the airport and I flew home. Happy boy? Very. The Good. football facilities are insane. The offices, the coaches, the the stadium, the weight room, the training room. I mean, it's all it's next level stuff. So... Exciting. So the people all want to hear the drunk alley stories. Were there any good ones? Uh, just, uh, well, one, <laughs> we, <laughs> so we found the Hilligans, which is the cute little college bar. Um, and we thought, and it's literally like practically on campus. It's like half a block off campus. And we thought that I thought walking in, like it would be like, I'd be the old person in the room. Right. Oh but, yeah. No, it was like a Friday afternoon. It was sort of happy hour, and there was a lot of like locals there because a lot of the students are home for summer. So it was just sort of the 
football team people and parents and stuff, but they make this shot. So when they realize that Ben was on the football team, they're like, oh, you got to have it. Some guy was like, bring out the, I forget what it's called, the hill, hilltopper, the hilltopper shot. And so I was like, oh, God, what is that? So they bring out this shot that they pre-batch, and then they just pour it in these little cups for two bucks. You get a hilltopper shot, which is two dollars. Uh huh. Can't the, be good. No, the drinks there are dirt cheap. Ben was drinking like um, Blue Moon or something, and I was having like Tito's and soda. And that was the day that we kind of sat there for a long time. And these shots, which were free the first round, and then we ended up having another one. My bar bill was twenty eight dollars. I was like, what just? wrong i thought it could that's have like half a round in san diego oh god i thought it couldn't possibly be mine and i kept looking at it and i was like oh it is they're all on here can i move there so cheap but they the hill, an assistant the hilltopper shot is cherry vodka oh peach schnapps <laughs> cherry and, and pineapple juice <laughs> it's like uh, and you know what it tastes like a cherry lifesaver exactly like a cherry lifesaver so for those of you that would like to make them at home that's what you need that sounds horrible. It sounds like a hangover it in a glass. It sounds like a hangover in a glass, exactly. So we only had two of those, but we did find some good restaurants and stuff. It was really fun. All right, I'll give you a choice here. Do you want to talk about these ugly Padres, or do you want to talk about my new barbecue? Both. I don't think, uh, real quick on the Padres, I think it's a little ugly right now on offense. I don't understand why these superstars cannot hit the ball. But I also think they've been in a very long stretch. Yeah. And of, even the day off, they they like flew to New York. And then, I mean, yeah, they had a day, but you're dealing with three-hour time zone difference, all these different things. I do think that after this series against the Mets and then the Dodger series, I think they have sort of a cakewalk. Yeah, yeah they get the Rockies next, right? They get Rockies, Diamondbacks, Field. Reds. I don't know what order, but it's very uh, – it, it lightens up a lot. I think they've had a very tough stretch with top teams and no days off. And I, it's so weird to me. I know they all play 162 games, but why does it seem like the Giants have a day off every single week and we never do? I think it does. It all comes around. It so does. I think at some point the Giants are going to have this miserable stretch of games and the Padres will have a little lighter load. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, this whole Cubs, Mets, Cubs, Mets. I've never understood why schedule makers do this yeah, to where back you're to playing back to the back. same team over and over again. Yeah. And it, as of right now, it is favorites of the Mets and the Cubs because for whatever reason, they're catching these Padres when the body language is just terrible. Yeah. Oh, right there. Trent Grisham will start today. Oh, good. Brand new. Good. I love Breaking that. news on the Bam Slam podcast. Yeah, you'll already know about this like yeah. six hours later, <laughs> but uh, I think Trent Grisham, he's... He's the, a difference maker. Yes, and he has the he attitude is. when he comes mm-hmm. in, and it's the Will Myers and Eric Hosmer who are just head down before they even get in the batter's box. Yeah. It's absurd to me that they're out before they even step in. I know, and it's true, And can, but can I throw Manny some love? Did you can you throw guys... him some love, but he's also not been that impressive. I think he has some really good at bats though, where he makes the pitchers pitch um, a lot. You know, three hundred million dollars isn't to see pitches. I think he's good, and honestly, the head. Did you see the video with him putting his arm around Kim in the dugout? That's adorable. Stop it! It was adorable. I literally think I might no, have cried. Manny, his leadership has been really on display. I, he's never Total been the one who leader. has been down, which I appreciate. It's I'm so pleasantly surprised by what he's been since he's put on a Padres uniform. Yeah, me too. 
Because I, the day he signed, I was like, well, that's a mistake. No, in, a, in every way, he's been adorable. I ordered my swag chain t-shirt today that I found on Etsy. Nice. It's so cute. Are you going to really build cute. one like the people it's, on Twitter? No, I'm not building one because I kind of don't like that because I feel like it's the guy's thing. And I get the fans yeah. are into it and want their own, but I sort of like, oh, I wish it was just kind of their thing. But I get it. Everyone's excited and thinks it's fun. So it was that's incredible. Cool. The turnaround on that, like people had them made <laughs> two or three days later. I, I was even, like, I wouldn't know how to make that. I'm, no. not, I'm not crafty at all. And so I would. I was looking at all the people that made them. I was like, that's pretty. Those like, people hit up parties or uh, what's that store? Michael's Crafts yeah. and like. Like I My thinking would that. be like a paper plate and then little like bejewels. <laughs> Me too. Same. But it was so impressive how quickly they did it. Yeah. Tell but us about the barbecue. I'm really excited about Grisham being Me back too. in the lineup. They need him. Uh, the too. barbecue. I decided yesterday that a home is not a home without a barbecue. And I just went to Home Depot and bought one. I saw you seasoned it up with. Um, oh, yeah. Bacon wait, fat. Wait, did you get a, a gas grill? Yeah. So propane. Okay. Not charcoal. Um, I like charcoal. They just, it takes too long. I have a charcoal grill because um, I have both, but decided last when quarantine kind of started, I was like, I want a charcoal grill. We had not had one in so long. I got a, a Weber copper. Nice. One of the like so buckets kind of. Yeah. yeah, it's so pretty. But And it doesn't take that long. I have one of those canister things with a yeah. handle that you throw it in with a starter. 20 minutes later, it's ready to go. And it's. I, so good. I do. I love charcoal grills, and that's what I cook on when we go to slow because my buddy has one. But mm-hmm. all right, so tell me it about takes yours. Too long. Mine so you is just, it up. it's a cheapy barbecue, but if you do it right, a cheap barbecue still works because there's fire. It's and, so good. And so season it up with like super super fatty bacon. Yes, yeah, so I went to Iowa Meat Farms, which is kind of close to my house, and they I said, "Can I just have your literally? Don't even need any real bacon meat, just fat." And so they gave me three slices, and I rubbed it all over the place. Got the grill super hot. And then these New York steaks that I put on there last night. I saw it on Twitter. That which was a lot of money delish. to spend on meat, but it was so worth it. You know, have you flown first class before? I have. It's so nice. But it is so nice. once you fly first class, you... It's so hard to go back. Yeah, exactly. That's what's going on here, because I've <laughs> always like... been like a Vaughn's Costco meat type of guy. Yeah. I had this like really nice grade A meat last night, and I don't know that I could ever go back. Have you ever had the tri-tip from um, Seaside Market? No, but that's Cardiff? what everyone was telling me I have to uh, do. Stop. I'm not. You don't need a knife, and I'm not really? kidding you. It is. You will die. You will never be able to have a normal tri-tip again. And then do I want to get it? You want to get it. Special occasions, you want to get it. It is so good. Um it's called Cardiff Crack. No, I heard that was our entire text line yesterday on the show was telling me to go to Cardiff Crack. You know, you can do it. Um, they have it at Petco. They have a. Oh, really? Uh-huh. They do. You can do Cardiff Crack. I think they're nachos or something. They're tri-tip nachos and, and the sandwich and stuff. They have a whole I no storefront idea. there. Yeah. So June 15th, right? Uh, June 17th is Padres opening day. Are you yeah. going to try to get out there with full capacity? Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, I mean, I'm vaccinated, so, I, and so I I feel fine with it. I, it's been fun going, though, with, it with empty. the lower crowds. Yeah, because it, it still has a ton of energy, and I'm, t- you guys, Friday night games, those are the thing. Parties? Uh, it's a party. Friday night games are parties. It's so much fun. Um, but it is nice being able to walk right up and grab a drink or, you know, whatever. If you go want to something the bathroom to eat, without go to the bathroom. Anyone. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Um, although I have to say, I've never had an issue with restrooms at Petco, even when it's full. I just feel like they are so many and they're so big. I feel like they did a great job with that. Unlike how Qualcomm was, was awful. 
You'd have to wait. <laughs> well, you'd miss a whole quarter of a football game because you'd be in line. And while you're waiting, a big chunk of concrete will fall yeah, in your head. Yeah, and water yeah. is dripping everywhere. Have you driven by that site recently? Yeah. It's crazy how quickly they're moving. It's insane. Like, I can't believe it. Kendall was saying the other day, she was like, why doesn't like Post Malone or like people come to San Diego? I was like, give it a year. Yeah. They're going to be as soon as that stadium is up. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's amazing. Like, I saw steel going up yesterday, getting laid out. It was it's amazing how quickly J.D. Wicker and that whole team is moving. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it is amazing. And it will be fun to get some concerts back here like that. Um, that'll be nice. I know there was a couple at Petco, I think, when I was gone, like Beach Boys or something. They yeah. aren't really the Beach Boys, but <laughs> not the Beach Boys that played at my prom. <laughs> but um... Okay. <laughs> No, when you slow dance with Nick Cage in the last dance of the night. I didn't take Nick Cage to prom. No, Nick Cage. It was really that story will keep growing though. Yeah, took him to prom, the holiday. Oh my god! And anyway, that whole story is more about Matt Dillon than Nick Cage. Smooched under the mistletoe at Christmas. Couldn't get into Nick Cage, but Matt Dillon on the golf cart in the vineyards. That was, that was not. (laughs) That was not. That was not not fun. Okay, so. Why are you track. turning red? Because I don't. Matt Dillon <laughs> makes me red. Sorry. I know he's a cutie. Trent Grisham coming back. Padres going a little roll here, hopefully. And what have they lost ten of the last like fourteen? Uh, yeah. The other day it was eight of eleven. So yeah, you're probably uh, a, maybe it's nine of. Yeah. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. This is just ugliness on ugliness that we haven't seen in like two years because really last year they got going and they never stopped because it was such a short season. Jacob Degrom is an insane pitcher though, did He's you? Hurt. And then he got hurt. I know, and Max yeah. Scherzer got hurt too, which was disappointing for the Nationals because that was maybe a trade piece that was coming our way. But maybe still, they he says he's fine. I don't know. It's gonna take a lot of money. I think the back end of that deal, you got to pay fifteen mil for two months of Max Scherzer yeah. and probably uh, Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. I mean, but Mackenzie Gore, brings you a World Series. has he been disappointing? I don't know. I don't. No one really, like, he hasn't been good in AAA. No, that's true. But do we really know that much? Like, he didn't play AAA at all last year because of the pandemic. Minor mm-hmm. league system is so effed up right now anyways. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can even tell. I think if the talent was there to begin with, the talent still there, he might just need work with a little better staff. Yeah. And what's the deal with poor Blake? I don't. I just feel he had, he was so good the game prior to this yeah. one against the Mets. He did so well, and I was thought, okay, he's turning it around now, and he did for the first three innings last night. And then ugh, was... the monsters in there it just has yet to really come out. I and like I think he took the first step in the last start. He just can't seem to get past like three or four innings. It's right. Just, we need him to be in there for six innings, like right. you is, or you know, I don't know. I love Darvish. He's amazing to watch. We're going to talk to more in like five minutes, but I got to tell you about this Netflix special first. Go for it. Fair warning. It's like super depressing. This this guy, Bo Burnham, he used to be a little YouTube rapper, kind of funny songs and like just really political commentary stuff that was just kind of making fun of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then five years ago, he started getting these crazy panic attacks while on stage. And I used to be a really big fan of his. I would watch all his specials. I actually saw him once when he was at Cal Poly, my college. And then, so five years ago, he just stopped because he was getting these panic attacks. He had some mental health issues. And then January 2020, I mean, we all know the pandemic happened right after that. 
he was ready to come back. He announced a tour. He was going to start going out to all these places, <laughs> wrote new content, was ready to go. And then the pandemic happened. So everyone's locked in their houses. So he decided that he would make this whole Netflix special. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. And he would direct it, shoot it, write all the music, write all the jokes, everything by himself in one room in his house. Yeah, I, I saw the preview for it. I haven't watched it, but I'm now that you've been telling me, I'm going to go watch it. And I was, it like took a very hard left turn. Like it started out comedy and it was really, really funny. <clears throat> then like halfway through it went so dark. And I don't know if he had another panic attack, if he had like a little bit of a break. But it just got super raw and emotional, and it was so amazing. I felt bad watching it because I'm like, this guy is obviously torturing himself making this. But it was so good. I was crying on the couch. Kendall was crying. It was just like, this poor guy is like putting it all out there. And he talks a lot about like social media destroying the next generation and stuff. But everything he said made perfect sense. So I'm thinking about getting rid of a lot of stuff. Not Twitter, though. Fully addicted. Uh, another great Netflix show, real quick, is not a documentary. It's or real life. It's you know just a show. Seven seven parts or seven episodes. Mayor of Easttown. Oh, I heard that with good. Kate Winslet. So when I first saw the name, I thought, is this like some weird period piece that is I'm that not going to be into? Is that HBO or is that Netflix? Oh, sorry, it's not. You're right. It is HBO. Sorry, sorry. Um, not Netflix. And it is so good what's it about because my buddy's so she, watching so it. it's in Bo- like a little tiny town outside boston called east town her name is mayor like so that's what it means i thought it was going to be like some you know 19- 1890s yeah. thing no it's not what it is it's current day she's a detective um trying to solve this young girl's murder um and then there's been a couple other girls in the town have also disappeared but her acting is next level in this show like kate, who is kate winslet so she was in the Titanic. Oh, the, yeah. the French girl. Draw me like one of your French girls, girl. Yes, but she she has a Boston accent in this. Really? Yeah, they there are several English actors in it, but they all have uh, Boston accents in this movie or this series. It was. I wish it wasn't just seven episodes because I could have watched seven more. It was. Is it so, pretty dark, or is it? It is pretty dark. Um, but the acting is incredible, and you literally do not know who did it until. The last part of the seventh episode. You might think you know all along, but you do not know. No spoilers. And it's just, it is, it is the acting. There's this woman, I can't think of her name right now, but who plays her mother, who is unreal. Just the other detectives, that just everything about it was next level great. Highly recommend. So we're going to talk to this guy, Maury Brown. Uh, for Allie and for all of you, baseball is going through this thing right now where they are, it's like, it's crazy the parallels to the steroid era with what's going on right now. Yeah. So clearly everybody has known this for a long time in baseball. As fans, we're starting to get to know this right now, but pitchers have stuff on their hands that they're not supposed to when they throw to get better grip, to create more spin. Some of the stuff I've read, they have like boiling Coca-Cola. Have I showed I, I, you the spider tack stuff? I don't know if I've shown you this yet. There's like 10 different... They said they have like a buffet of choices that they use. So this is the Amazon description. This is spider attack. This is actually what Garrett Cole was asked about in that press conference where he got super awkward. Look at the picture that Amazon uses to promote the product. Oh my God. But why would they want the ball to stick to their hand that way? It's it's not to get the ball to actually stick like that. It's to like 
take away any sort of sweat or anything from your fingers and make it a flatter surface that can create a more spin. I don't really know how it works. Obviously, these guys do. But the issue I have with it is baseball is starting to like crack down on this as if baseball didn't know. Right. And as if baseball wasn't like okay with this yeah. tradition. Pitchers right. have been doing this for generations. Of course. And then all of a sudden, it's this exact same thing with the steroid era. Baseball, you cannot be okay with something one day and then decide to not be okay with it the next. And literally ruin guys' careers and take away paychecks. Because with this 10-game suspension, if that's what they're going to do to anyone caught with any substance on them, you're taking away 10 paychecks. 10 days that they could be getting paid. Well, and that's, and, that's like months for a pitcher, though, right? Isn't right. it if you're pitching every six days yeah. or five days? Like, so you're talking a couple months. Well, I think they would actually, it's, they would only miss like two starts because it is just 10 days. Oh, it's 10 days. Oh, I yeah. thought it was 10 starts. No, no, no okay. 10 days. Okay, got it. And so... But the other thing is, do baseball writers, and Maury Brown has a Hall of Fame vote, and so do baseball writers change the way they think about people because of these suspensions? Because that's what happened with the steroid era. There's a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame who clearly took steroids. We all know they did, but they never tested positive. Right. Then there's Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, guys who are being held out who it's just public knowledge. So I don't, it really infuriates me that baseball is so corrupt and reactionary and kind of hypocritical looking at telling guys that they can't do stuff that they've yeah. known is going on yeah. and they breed it. I don't I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean <laughs> and there's a video I, maybe of you- they just should all not do it and then it would all be level again. Like I just I don't I I mean are ev- is every one of them doing it? Jeff Passan said some- 90%. Really? If 90% of pitchers are doing it. That's what Jeff Passan said. And I think baseball's thing is like, okay, offense is way down. Time to take something away from the pitchers. Well, they talk about when you move the mound back and all this stuff. Like, is that going to help? I don't know. I, I don't know. Offense is down. So maybe that is why if they're all using stuff. Um, but why don't they all just not do it? And then they, like I just said, then they'd be back to a level playing field. But I don't know how you. Could, but then the one guy, Trevor Bauer, is going to. Still sneak it and well, they'll ruin always it. find a way to cheat. But it sounds like this is something that's literally been generational. It's, it's baseball. Our other, I mean, is the NBA is is NFL. I mean, I know there was Deflate Gate and all these things, uh, you know, have gone on in the NFL. But baseball's really got a lot. I, is it just because it's so much slower paced that it's? I think there able is to, there's cheating in all sports to a degree. I mean, remember Nick and Philip got fined at one point for using that gorilla grip or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it's everywhere and it's throughout all sports. I think it's just, it's really hard to cheat in basketball. It's almost really, impossible. I don't know how you could. No football. There's sign stealing. There's getting guys into other people's practices, play stuff. But again, is that really illegal? I, I mean, it's baseball. It's a lot easier to illegally cheat than other places. Yeah. And what about like hockey? Can you cheat in hockey? No, I think I, it's I, like I, basketball. I, yeah, I agree. I just... I don't know. It's very, um, and soccer probably, I guess the same thing though. You could have people stealing plays or I don't know. But this culture of baseball is such an issue. It's so disappointing, especially if you're trying to get these younger, you know, you're trying to get um, an audience and get baseball relevant, which I think, you know, people like Tatis and things like that are helping with the game and getting these younger people involved. But if, if it's all about cheating and who wants to watch that yeah all right we're going to talk to maury brown about this keep this conversation going maury again is 
super, super smart, and he was all over this from the start. Bam Slam fam, we love you. We'll be right back. As we told you at the beginning of the podcast, and we just reiterated for you, so happy that Blender's Eyewear is along for the ride on the Bam Slam podcast. podcast you talk about awesome affordable sunglasses rad styles plus colorways that range from 38 bucks to 68 dollars they offer a wide range of products sunglasses rx blue light snow goggles and helmets as well they're big right now they are even getting bigger locally owned locally made here in san diego but internationally known Uh, their motto is life in forward motion and their goal is that their products push you to be the best version of yourself like we're trying to do with this podcast. And that's why Blenders is along for the ride. Thank you, everybody, with Blenders Eyewear. Uh, They are offering a 16% discount uh, on behalf of the Bam Slam podcast for all of you that get to BlendersEyewear.com. Just use our code, BAMSLAM, and you're going to get 16% off your purchase. BlendersEyewear.com. Code word is BAMSLAM. You still around? Wow, that's impressive. What do you mean? Let's get back to the Bam Slam. Once again, here's Ben, Allie, and Mike. Bam Slam fam, what's happening? We have today a very special guest from Forbes. His name is Maury Brown. Uh, Maury, I think that you might have been the first to this story back three months ago. We had you on the morning show over on Extra. And you kind of put it out there that MLB is going to be looking at investigating Trevor Bauer. Now, three months later, here we are, and everybody's under investigation. Were you actually the first to this, or how did you even find out about it in the first place? No, I mean, I don't know if I was the exact first, but um, no, I'd been talking to sources about it. I mean, it had been one of those things to where um, you could kind of see, you know, well, there's been a couple of things together. There's been the change in the baseball but really, when we started to see um, pitchers pitching not only with velocity, but velocity was an exceptional amount of movement. And the fact that, um, you know, strikeout rates are up, um, batting averages are down. Um, and then the overall quality of, of the game right now, it's just a lot slower. There's not a lot of action. I kind of anticipated it. Um, the bad thing about it is, is that, I don't think that anybody thinks that this is anything new. I mean, when you say, am I the first one? Well, I mean, we've all been kind of talking about players doing, you know, using foreign substances on um, to get better grip um, on baseballs for a very long time. The difference was now it's starting to affect the game. So, of course, now baseball thinks that it's important to get their act together and do something about it, which I think is totally unfair to the players. Um, I, I just look at this as a, a situation to where, you know, penalizing the players for a rule that they didn't enforce for pretty much ever, forever and a day, um, I don't think is really fair. And there's a good reason that the MLBPA will likely be filing grievances once players start to be suspended. And how hypocritical is this, knowing that baseball kind of knew about what was going on in the steroid ever era, didn't really crack down on anything until it was too late. Now they've kind of known about the sticky stuff for, what, 10, 20 years, 30 years? Mm-hmm. But now they're finally cracking down on it. It's a little too late because, like Jeff Passan said, 90% of the guys are using this. I mean, is it a, just a culture of baseball to be totally reactionary instead of precautionary when it comes to things like this? Yeah, and that's that's exactly my point of view on this whole thing. Baseball's been reactionary for pretty much everything. Look, you can go all the way back to the 1919 Black Sox scandal. I mean, it's not like we didn't know 
that there was gambling going on and the owners being cheap. I mean, when Kaminsky was being cheap and the players, that's how they got the Black Sox moniker. It wasn't due to the scandal. It was due to the fact that they were forcing the players to pay to wash their own uniforms. So they said, screw it, and rebelled and just wore dirty uniforms. So, I mean, baseball's always been this way. The situation with the steroid era, I mean, I'd have to sit there and go, did us writers, were we on top of that thing? No, we probably weren't. I mean, when you started to look at guys and they were starting to balloon up, you were like, wait a second, you know. I mean, Ken Caminani is a great example. Yeah. yeah. And he just, like, showed up and it was like, okay, what the heck? I mean, wow, I guess he's been hitting the weight room, like, 24-7. But you knew something was off. And the minute, you know, the numbers got cartoonish, Mm -hmm. um, you know, then it it took a, a reporter from the Associated Press to ask Mark McGuire, you know, about the use of substances that weren't banned. I mean, that's the thing. And that's the core difference between what we have here with the sticky stuff and steroids. You can't blame players for using stuff that um, was not banned and there was no, you know, protocol for it. So then baseball goes, you know, with Congress behind them going, you guys got to do something about it. The MLBPA fought it. And now we have, you know, probably, I would argue, probably the best, um, you know, performance to him substance policy in all of professional sports. Maybe the Olympics, the, ex- the exception. Um, the situation with this rule about the sticky stuff, man, it's been around. I mean, ever since we had a player die because the baseballs were dirty, they would use chew on them, mud, whatever. Finally, they went, oh, wow, we killed somebody. We better start using fresh balls so that the players can see the rotation. So, I mean, that's how baseball works. What did you think about Garrett Cole's reaction in his press conference when he was asked about this? I mean, he was, I don't know. Well, um, as I'm doing it for effect, being quiet, it's the most awkward <laughs> pregnant pause. Yeah. The most awkward pregnant pause that I've seen in a long time. Um, I think that what he should have done and others have said this, and I truly believe it. He should have gone, yep, I sure have. They haven't enforced it, and everybody else is doing it. So you ask this of every pitcher. You ask this of, you know, you go and ask the managers. You go ask, you know, Rob Manfred. You go ask Tony Clark. Go ask those guys, and they will tell you that this has been going on for a long time. And he, so, you know, I mean, he tried to dance around it, but he looked awkward as hell. Yeah, and he did. And told you everything. It told you everything that it's been going on. What's interesting is somebody was looking at rotation rates on fastballs. I'd be interested to see if anybody's looked at, you know, the true breaking stuff. But rotation on the ball has gone down since they said we we're getting ready to start examining this stuff. So now we'll be, I'd be interested to see whether batting averages have gone up since then. Um, my, my inclination is to say no. But, I mean, you put a bunch of stuff together. They deadened the ball. They changed the ball again. Okay, so that, I have a question about that. Yeah. With the ball. So when if if Major League Baseball is constantly changing the ball, doesn't that make these guys more apt to use something to – if it's not a ball that – I just – that changing of the ball is so frustrating to me. I just – I don't understand the reason – the constant messing with that. Well, I mean, they're going to tell you that – um, when we were, the home run rates were up, it had to do with um, the threads on the ball. Right. And it, it was something that was, you know, out of their control. They didn't anticipate it. And my answer to that or my question to that is, 
you guys own it. There's this quality control. Um, you the ball is the one thing. It's the most important thing. It's the one thing that is cannot be altered, and yet it has been. Right. So when I interviewed Rob Manfred about the ball, um, he said we need to be we need a more consistent um, ball, and so that's apparently where we're at now. Great. Don't monkey around with it anymore. I don't think that it's affected the sticky, the use of the stickiness on it. Okay. I, I get back to the, you know, I'll get, Allie, I'll get back to the, the core of this thing, which is if you don't, if you're not going to enforce a rule, then, then it's, you know, why not take advantage of it? You know, I mean, every team is going to wind up doing that. And that's been the case across not just baseball, but sports in general. I mean, there, you're always going to see, players and coaches and managers try to take advantage if they can get some sort of advantage then they're going to do it wherever they can so that's a game of cat and mouse i don't like the the suspension part of this but you have to be able to do something to get them to stop and uh right now i guess 10 games without pay is is going to be the barometer so if the MLBPA decides to start filing some grievances and you got you have guys like Pete Alonzo who are kind of backing the pitchers saying he feels safer when they have the sticky stuff is this going to is this thing going to get dragged out or do you think these 10 game suspensions are going to start ASAP Well, I think that they'll start I think they'll start soon. I really do. And I you know, and the bad thing about the grievance system is it it's not like it happens instantaneous. I mean, some of these things take a while. When you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to collect evidence and you're doing all those things and making a case before an arbitrator. So um, I, I think that the the key thing is, so to what Alonzo said, sure, I get that. You know, like, hey, man, the guys have figured out how to control using the sticky stuff. What happens to their control when they don't have it? And am I going to be, are we going to see some massive escalation of hit by pitch? Mm-hmm. And that's a, sure. That's an absolute concern. It really is. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, there are a lot of batters. If you think about it, if if uh, if it's affecting the numbers and the strikeout rates and the batting averages, when it comes time to negotiate my contract, if I'm a pitcher and I'm using that stuff, and suddenly my numbers go up, well, I'm going to get a raise. And if I'm a batter, that my batting average has gone down and my numbers are dropping due to that. Well, I'm not going to get nearly as much. So it's very it's very reminiscent of what happened during the steroid era. I mean, there came a point where there was like a critical mass, and the players went, you know what, I'm tired of being screwed over by this. Now, is that the driver? Is that why Rob Manfred and the league decided to do this? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They did this because it's affecting – the quality of the game. And that's the only reason that they're doing this. I mean, it wasn't like something, you know, if this had gone on and it hadn't, and the game was exciting and games were in play, would they go after him? Probably not. Mm -hmm. It really is. Baseball becomes reactionary only when it starts to affect the bottom line. And I think that they're, they're looking at this in terms of, are we, is it really screwing with the quality of the game? And I can make a case and say, yeah, I mean, something has to be done. Last time we did this in 68, the, the height of the mound changed, the strike zone changed. Okay, so enforcing a rule, fine. I mean, do we want to move the mound back? Do we want to change the strike zone? I think you'd have more fans upset about that um, than, you know, probably the pitchers. I wonder what would happen if, you know, these guys are – if they stop doing it or don't care about getting caught, 
you know, what happens in game seven of the World Series? That guy's not going to care. Mm. You know, I mean, right? Yeah. No. I mean, this is um, – if it's game seven of the World Series, um, in that, you know, in that scenario, uh, yeah. I just think that – I mean, unless, yeah. unless, unless there was a situation to where they go, you know what, in that situation, we're going to go ahead and you've got to pull that pitcher – and that's never going to happen. I mean, if you're going to go ahead and check um, the pitchers and the balls every half inning, mm-hmm. I mean, what does that do to pace? I mean, they're really up against the wall. Yeah. But look, in an extreme situation like that, sure. Sure. I could, I, if I'm a pitcher, why not? Yeah. At least, unless you get into a situation where it's a George Brett, you know, pine tar incident kind of thing, where you're throwing somebody out of the game in the middle of a critical moment. And it turns into, you know, once again, baseball can't get out of its own way exactly to create controversy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see it. I heard you say the other day, Maury, uh, baseball isn't happy unless there's a mess on its hands every five <laughs> minutes. And it, God, it seems like that's so accurate. Like you build momentum, you get a star like Tatis, especially here in San Diego. And now you just want to pump the brakes again. I don't understand. But, well, did you guys see last night when Machado got walked and he was walking to first and the umpire was like jawing at him and walked along the first base line with him almost all the way to, to the um, to first base. Machado and I don't get it. I just, I, I don't, yeah, the, the umpire situation is out of whack. I don't know. It's all disappointing. Right. Well, and that, listen, to, on that one, Allie, the, the, the issue there is um, the umpires have a union, you know, and they have to negotiate that sort of thing. Um, look, Angel Hernandez is still calling games, and yeah. I don't know how that is because he's he's horrible. Right. But and baseball, this has been a problem. You know, how do you draw the line between, oh, it's kind of entertaining when a manager and an umpire get into, you know, a brouhaha and you have something go on and that's kind of entertaining. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when does it get to the point to where it becomes a distraction and the umpires become the focus? And I hate that. I hate that, too. You know, anybody, anybody that watches the game that does that, you know, do do other sports have problems with their referees? Yeah. Is the personality in there? No. I mean, you really don't. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, other sports have problems with the refereeing. I, I would say that they're all equally um, bad in some way, shape, or form. In terms of baseball's problems, look, in the off season, fine. You know, you want to have your problems there, and nobody's got anything to talk about. But in nearly every time that I've interviewed Rob Manfred or anybody from the MLBPA or – you know, prior commissioners. I mean, when you do that, they normally don't do them. If you look, they, they do them in the off season because they will say repeatedly when it comes time for games to be played, we want the focus to be on the field. So we don't want to have a bunch of discussions about whether there's going to be a strike or lockout or whatever the topic of the day is. Right. But here we are. It's, this is, you know, we're rolling up on the all-star break and we're going to have this discussion about the sticky stuff. Well, why the hell didn't you deal with that in the off season? I guess they had to, you know, if if it was yep. me, I would have started this, you know, investigation at the end of last season. You know, there were no fans. You could, you know, go about it. Granted, it was only sixty games, but you could have done your research then. Then you could have gone in the off season and said, "Here's what we're going to do." Fans would have freaked out. Pitchers would have freaked out. Trevor Bauer wouldn't have, have gotten that contract. Yeah. I can almost guarantee yeah. you. And there, there, there would be stuff like that, you know, it would have affected things. And, and that's the thing. I mean, so, um, I mean, the worst thing about this is, is that again, I, I'm talking about the off season, 
let's just see how exciting and fun negotiations are going to be. We got to, you know, the current collective bargaining agreement expires on December 1st. And I think that there's a real possibility that they will either have to extend the current agreement because they won't have one in place, or you could have a lockout that I think I don't see it affecting games. I could see it affecting um, the off season. This is kind of what happened with the NFL in 2011. We had a lockout. And when they lost the Hall of Fame game, it was the only game that got impacted. And then they came back to play. I think that baseball understands that after 94-95, they just can't be losing games. I mean, they will if, – if they're losing fans right now to, you know, whatever it is, they understand – everybody does that they're making a bunch of money. But, I mean, the, right now, you talk to the sides, and they're, they're not in a good spot. And this – I don't think – I don't think this helps. It's going to be a bloodbath. I can't wait for it. I think baseball needs a good kick in the nuts. Uh, Maury. Well, I mean, and and you know what? Well, I mean, who's going to kick him in the nuts, right? Okay, we're, we're talking about They're going to kick each other in the nuts, Maury. It's going to get ugly. The MLBPA is sick of the MLB, and the MLB is the most hypocritical group of sports in the world. It's so ridiculous well, to me, and it pisses me so, off. It really does. So here, here's the thing, right? So depending on how you talk to them, I can see the cases that are made. I know how the MLBPA is. I, I, I talk to their you know, people that are involved there. Um, I know how they view it, and I know how the league views it. So the situation right now, so if you want to sh- change subjects, and we want to talk about stuff like service clock manipulation or investing in younger players, the league will tell you, they'll go, hey, man, you know, yeah, we're investing in club control. We used analytics to see that the investment in young players has a better return on investment than if I go and I give some major contract to a a vet that is going to see their performance decline toward the end of it. I mean, you're paying for future performance when I give somebody a big contract. It's, you know, it's, that's what's kind of screwy. So they went fine. We'll go ahead and we'll, we'll invest in younger players. Conveniently, they don't have to pay them, but the league minimum until they hit salary arbitration. So they're saving money, and they feel they're getting a better investment on it. When the Players Association says this is not the idea of being competitive, the, the league will say, hey, man, you guys wanted the free market. This is what the free market looks like. And I have a hard time arguing with that. You guys wanted this to be free and open. You don't want a salary cap? Fine. We'll do it this way. I mean, the, the, the players have had a leg up on the owners for the entire time Sands probably the last two or three agreements. It started to slip in favor of the owners. Now it's weighted heavily in favor of the owners. The last or this current labor deal absolutely swings things in favor of of the league. So how do you get out of that? They're going to have to claw back. And I think that the only leverage that the Players Association has right now is expanded playoff teams. They're they really going to get them with that. They'll be able to do something with it, but I don't know how you get around stuff like service clock manipulation and a number of other things. So it's going to be, it was already acrimonious. It was already tense. I can, I mean, when I have the conversations with the people, you can sense it. I mean, there's the, also the reality that they go, well, you know, a strike or a lockout would be really bad for our bottom line and our fan base. They understand what 94, 95 did. Well, yeah, and, and they're so, trying to bring in a younger audience, you know, and they're mm-hmm. they're sort of making a little headway there, but, um, but something like that is going to set it back. Yeah, you well, want baseball fans to go away entirely, just have another strike. <laughs> I mean, well, I might walk away. Yeah. So the difficulty is this, right? Um, 
prior to 2002, and you know, I don't. If you go back to 2002, they literally like were on the very edge of having another striker lockout, and cooler minds prevailed, and we've had you know a very long stretch without any kind of strike or lockout. So there are no longer players that ever experienced that. So the idea of getting the players fired up for the future, right? They'll say, we have to do this, not just for us now, but for players in the future. It gets into that kind of, you know, patriotic thing, you know, thinking of your fellow union members and all that other stuff. Um, The difficulty is always that there are 30 owners, and there are thousands of players. Yeah. So the ability for the owners to keep it together and not crack is a lot easier than trying to keep a thousand guys in line. And so there's always that risk. But I mean, look, they the the MLBPA brought on a guy named Bruce Meyer from the NHLPA. It was to address these problems. They understand that they got kicked in the crotch with this current labor deal. And this will help him. I mean, it really will. And Bruce, man, he's a no BS kind of guy. So, you know, he reminds me a lot of Don Fear. Donald Fear, who was the prior, you know, the last time we had a, you know, strike, he was the head of the MLBPA. He reminds me a lot of him. Only he's a lot more colorful. I mean, he's just more like, hey, this is bullshit. I don't believe in it. And, you know, that I think is something that is good. It's got the players, you know, unified. How long they can hold it together, I don't know. Uh, once again, I don't know. I, I would put the odds that there's no strike or lockout. You know, I, I, I don't really see that. A lot of other people believe it's going to happen. If it does happen, again, I think that they could potentially go, you know what? Let's just extend the current agreement and try and hash this out if they're close. And if not, then fine. We'll have a lockout. Does it affect spring training? Probably not. Does it affect regular season? I don't think in a million years. There's just too much damn money and the fact that the owners took it in the shorts due to the pandemic. Definitely. So I, I, I think that that's, that's the other leverage that the players have. All right, Maury Brown, thank you so much for joining us uh, on a Saturday. We appreciate you. He's a senior contributor at Forbes, at Bizball Murray on Twitter. Have a great day, man. This thank you for awesome. nerding out. I All love right. you because you use big words that I don't know. <laughs> Allie and Ben, have yourself a great one. Thanks Thanks, a lot. Maury. It See was Maury. awesome. Damn, Maury Brown is smart. Oh, my gosh. I got a little nervous before that interview. I mean, you just told me about it last night. And um, surprisingly, I wasn't following him on Twitter, but I am now. Um, And I, you know, I just got a little nervous for that interview. But then I just had a million questions once he started talking. He was amazing. He goes so opposite of what, like, my day-to-day baseball coverage is. Yeah. Because he goes behind the scenes and he gets to talk to guys like Rob Manfred. And uh, thank you, Maury, for coming on. That was awesome. Uh, it does get me so angry, though, when I think about how often baseball shoots itself in its own foot. Yeah, they get in their own way a lot. And that's, you know, I think, listen, <laughs> that's pro sports in general, I yeah. think. I mean, my God, it's high school sports sometimes, you know. I think sports, everybody's always looking for an edge and a, a, a way to one-up their competitors, right? But but Major League Baseball seems to be best at getting in their own way. What's funny is the NFL has an issue one day, three days later, it's solved. It's done. It's over with. You rarely hear about it again. Tom Brady to Flategate, okay, four game suspension, done. In yeah. the books, over, never hear about it again. Mm-hmm. This whole Deshaun Watson thing, have you heard anything recently no, about Deshaun Watson? it's been silent, which is so weird. Like, which, is he coming back? Is he not? And, you know, they didn't have their mini camp. <laughs> 
which is weird. They're the only team, I think, that didn't run minicamp. So, like, news will come out about Deshaun Watson. We're going to mm-hmm. hear it. He's going to either never play in the NFL again. That's most likely. He did say, I think, last week that he won or earlier to this week. To, trade to the Broncos. To the Broncos, yeah. yeah. But we'll hear about it, and then the NFL will make a decision. It'll be shut down. Baseball. Things happen. We hear rumors three months ago. It starts coming out all over the place right now. We see videos everywhere of different pitchers cheating. Still have not heard a damn word from Major League Baseball about Mm -hmm. this. It's just these little rumors that guys like Maury hear about and guys like Jeff Passan hear about, and they Mm -hmm. get them out there to the world. But they never make a decision. Nothing changes until 20 years down the road. We look back, and this is the sticky ball era instead of the steroid era. It's fucking ridiculous how bad baseball is at doing their jobs. Ben is drinking a Red Bull over here. Right now. He's, he's getting very animated. I I, it infuriates me how they do business. And yeah. if Maury's right, and I think there will be a strike. I don't Maury's much more connected than me, obviously. But if I was the MLB players, I would too, because baseball cheats every single time they change the ball. Why yeah. shouldn't players cheat when the organization that runs well, them cheats? Okay, that's why I brought up the thing about the ball changing all the time. Like, that feels like cheating to me. Like, well, I don't understand how they can just say, this year we're going to have a different ball, everybody. It just <laughs> seems bizarre to me. I don't know. Whatever. I Obviously, I'm not behind the scenes of Major League Baseball very much. All right, I'm going to cool down a little bit. You do that over there. God! <laughs> Go home. What are you grilling tonight? Are you grilling something again? I'm actually going to take my leftover steak and make it into fajitas. Oh, my grill nice. has a little side burner on it that I can uh-huh. like that. Ooh, that's that just nice. put me right back to Zen. And I'm going to have a Mai Tai did, by the pool. Did you do your boxing this morning? No, I didn't. Maybe that's why I'm so yeah. amplified. I'm that I'm headed straight to the gym from here. Work it all um, out. All right. What song should I listen to on the drive home? Um, okay. Well, I have a song that I'm going to tell everybody about, and I really hope people will go, uh, find her and listen to it she's uh her name's daphne willis and her the song is somebody's someone i heard it the other day somebody had posted something about it and um she's she wrote it about her brother it's the most beautiful song it's about mental health kind of a little bit it's kind of got that vibe to it but her voice first of all her voice is insane second of all the song itself will give you chills and maybe some tears um, it's beautiful, a little bit haunting, and very, very real. So download it. Somebody, someone, Daphne Willis. I'm going Carrie Underwood before he cheats. It's oh, all about preventing song. cheating oh. on the next guy, and freaking baseball man doesn't figure God, it out. Digging her keys into the guy's car. I love that song. It's the best song ever. <laughs> All right, I'm going to pick a song for Costa. It's going to be it's uh, oh, My it. Humps by the Black Eyed Peas because he's gross, and that's the type of thing he does. <laughs> and we could talk shit about him since he's not this here. This whole Winona's Big Brown Beaver has taken on a whole new life on yeah, Twitter, which is awesome. He really picks obscure songs sometimes he's that are very a interesting. weird I've, dude. Yeah, but I found, I mean, I've listened to a couple of things he's talked about. And if we want to go down the Costa rabbit hole real quick, just a couple of things that like, you would never expect from him, who he is on Twitter and who he is on the radio. First of all, on Twitter, he's an asshole, but he is the nicest person in the world when you talk he to him in sweet. real life. He's so sweet. You look at him in the clothes he wears, he has like a whiskey business shirt that he wears <laughs> 10 times a week. He's very dirty. Have you seen him on KUSI in the morning? Yeah. Like, what is what are you doing? His little tagline is like out of work radio personality. Yeah. It's just so costly. But like you look at him and you think, oh, this guy probably is not super wealthy, kind of walks around how he carries himself. And then you go to his house and you're like, 
yeah. drinking $400 bourbon in just, by the pool, by the yeah. massive kitchen. Like, like, you guys don't even know. Costa's <laughs> very different from, or he, he is who he is. I don't think he's different than he no. appears, but he does live a very lavish lifestyle. Yeah, and he talks about his olive wood charcuterie board. That's <laughs> what, six feet long? Um, the other thing I love about, like, like, this whole, I don't know if people understand this whole San Diego uh, media world. Like, there's some people that dislike each other a lot, and there's a lot of love, too. Like, I posted something the other day on Twitter. Like, I was having this massive emotional day, like, the whole day. And then, I don't know what happened. I was up in my town center, and I started envisioning my three little boys running around and me taking them. Did you see my tweet about no, it? I did, yeah. Yeah, so it was, just, it was very sappy and emotional. And anyway, I don't even know why I put it on Twitter, but I did. And uh, but Dave Pallet. I know. That Did was you see Dave's? He was yeah. like, okay, Ernie and Costa and I are going to take you. You can take us to the little, little league field, take us for ice cream, <laughs> take us for our haircuts. Like, they would all like, run I'm around like, you guys and play always, catch. They would, like, yeah. they would. I was like, you guys always have my back. And he said always in capital letters. And I cried that was again. Really sweet. But the, the tight knit, those relationships, and all of us have been, you know, in different places at different times, but there's some relationships that just. You form, and they're just there forever. It's special. Did you hate me when you were working on the Death Star? Because the I was Death over here. Death Star? So that's, that what Darren, Darren that's what Darren, and Darren calls it. it. Yeah. So yeah. that's just what it's I know Darren calls it that. Uh, did I hate you? No, uh, never. You probably didn't even know I existed. No, I did. I knew who you were. I did not hate you at all. What? No. I. That's a thing about me. Like, you know me. I don't... I really, that, I've never hated anyone at the other stations. I was texting with Ernie last night, and I was trying to get him to come on this morning with us just to, I haven't talked to him in a while, and he said, just don't make me cry anymore, because every time he goes, like he was on Dave and Jeff's podcast, he cried. His last I day know, here, he I cried. Listened. Can he and come on just, with us? I would love he it. He will. Yeah, he he's said he will. He's like, I just want to talk Padres, and I was like, we're going to make you cry. Yeah. You're going to cry. I'll make him cry. I think my tweet made him cry. Yeah. I don't next I knew, I'm taking he and Dave Palais and... Costa out for. I thought you were going to get jealous that you weren't included. No, in that I'm not. Little jealous. league haircut, I, ice cream I date. Let, we're all having. When we're out of the bar, I let Kendall go up to guys and have them buy her drinks. <laughs> I am oh, the you like least, watching that? Do you? Least jealous human being uh, on the board. No, it's not a kink, you weirdo. It's okay. Now I don't have to pay ten bucks for a drink. <laughs> I think I just learned more about you than I, I wanted no, to no, know. No, little no, young no, B. No, Fletch no. over there. Nope. We're very happy people. Thank uh, you for podcasting today. Yeah, this was fun. I and needed it. I'm sorry I blew up a little bit. I just, baseball pisses me off. I don't think you I'm, I'm posting that on you're, Twitter. You're, My blow up. You're passionate. I love passion. Passion and yeah, hustle. You know, I'm, I might start going again. It's a, I'll save it for off the air. Thank you, Allie, for coming in on Saturday. Thank you to Maury Brown. Bam Slam fam, we love you. Costa will be back soon after he's done vacationing all worlds. And we love you, and we'll see you soon. Boom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.